eight weeks of the cause of my life to sit down and think about how to prepare the lesson that will be the most profitable. We sometimes wonder if we should perhaps not pay attention to what's going on around us so much about the prophetic signs. Perhaps get to the scripture that we would ordinarily consider from Galatians. But each week we we look we, we, we look at what's going on around us in the way of the fulfillment of prophecy. And some of these things are so important for the believer and those who are uh, scripturally inclined. They're so important to consider that they, uh, they almost shout for recognition. I heard a statement this week made by an informed individual that I'm going to lead up to that I think is very striking coming from the man of the world, but he's a very informed man. I'm going to lead up to it. Some of you might have heard. But if you recall last week's lesson on the signs of the times, we referred to the Middle East first as being in a hopeless deadlock. <clears throat> this morning it was announced it is still in a hopeless deadlock. Mr. Vance has made a very earnest effort in Brussels yesterday, or rather today, their time, way into the hours of the morning to discuss matters with Mr. Khalil of Egypt and Mr. General Diane of uh, Israel, and he accomplished nothing. They can't even agree as to whether they should continue to talk or not. So much for the Middle East. That is a rather hopeless effort for peace. We felt it would be all the time, most of us because it's going to take the Prince of Peace to bring the peace the world is looking for, particularly in the area which uh, is under consideration as being a flashpoint for World War III. Secondly, the so-called soft talks that are referred to between Russia and the United States Strategic Arms Limitation Agreement Treaty. It was announced this morning that the very strong efforts made by Mr. Vance with Mr. Gromyko representing Russia have ended with no agreement of any meaningful dimension. That is, there was no decision made as to the limiting of arms and preparation for confrontation between Russia and the United States, particularly in the field of nuclear 
atomic arm. In fact, the announcement that has been made that uh, the agreement that was partially made allows the United States to get busier and spend more money than ever to try to catch up in preparation for what they term defense. And thus, the world that you and I live in is left with a figurative sword of Damocles hanging over its, uh, its, its abode. Each nation, Russia and the United States, as most of us are aware, possess the power to destroy the world many times over. Many times over. To destroy not only all humanity, but all plant life, thus making the earth uninhabitable. Some people realize the uh, absolute necessity of trying to get together to uh, avoid such a catastrophe. Well, those who know their Bible know that that is not the way this earth is to end up with complete destruction of mankind and all life on the earth. Christ will step into the picture and he will in his own way work out a arms and arms limitation agreement and the prophet Isaiah tells us about it he says they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nations neither shall they learn war anymore zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so it will take Christ to work out the agreement that will bring peace between a world that has seen very little peace in its 6,000 years of the Adamic world order. Been very, it's been spoken of many times here. The world has seen very little peace. And the city which is called Jerusalem, which means city of peace, has been, as we know, the most warred and fought over city, perhaps in the world. Someday it is to be the city of peace, with Christ rule, and his law going forth from Mount Zion. But in the meantime, we must be aware that a period of great tribulation lies ahead this earth, in this world, before that can be brought to fulfillment. But it's the surest thing in the world that it will be brought to fulfillment. We spoke last week also of the rioting and difficulty that continues in Iran, just to the south of Russia. And it, the uh, handicapping of the oil production of Iran, from which this country draws certain, has drawn certain usage, and which Israel has depended on. The Shah's position has been further eroded 
and further threats have been made as to his abdication or stepping down. And oil production as a possible result has been threatened throughout the Middle East as a sort of a domino effect. One thing leading to another, handicapping production. And the Western, the economies of the Western world are threatened as a result of that very much. We spoke last week of the sudden development of a China treaty, a treaty between this country and China. And we have seen this week, as a result of that, great political unrest and dissension created in the political situation in this country with the very unusual situation of a group of congressmen feeling so strongly in the matter of opposition to the treaty and its results that they are actually going into court to sue the President of the United States for what he has done in making a treaty with China and in uh, one year abrogating a treaty with uh, the neighboring country of uh, Taiwan. And as a result of that treaty, last week, Mr. Carter gave in his uh, initial report, we recall, a very optimistic reception of it by Russia, by Mr. Brezhnev, the leader of the Russian Kremlin group. But Mr. Brezhnev this week <coughs> called in question Mr. Carter's report of optimism, saying that the Russian government would look very closely at any move on the part of the United States in its getting together by treaty arrangement with China, would look very closely at any arrangements that were made that would affect Russian interests. Now that presents a very big question as to what Russia would consider as affecting her interests. And that's one of the reasons why there is no agreement between Russia and the United States on arms limitations. Any agreement that is made by the government of Russia they must consider it wholly in their favor if they are to agree with anybody on anything. So, we have that kind of situation. What am I leading up to? Well, it's apparent. But, there is a televised program on Channel 9, Evansville, on Friday evening at 7 o'clock, uh, every Friday evening, that in which five newspaper men of considerable repute, New York Times, Washington Post, and others, who are well-informed specialists and know what they're talking about from a worldly standpoint, they get together, roundtable discussion. And this week, they held their discussion. They dealt with each of the problems we have been considering and thinking about here. Foreign affairs, mainly. 
The purposes, in addition to government and politics, was also on the problem of oil and how it would affect the economy of this country and how it would affect the pocketbooks of the people of this country due to inflation, which they use the expression is headed toward going through the roof. And each of them having expressed a very, very good analysis at the close of the program, the final speaker made a very uh, striking comment, sort of summarizing the picture, the outlook, and their discussion. And he said this in effect, I didn't take it down, but this is in effect what he said. No president in the history of this country has ever faced as many critical and insoluble problems as are now being faced by President Carter. That to me is a very significant statement coming from a man who knows nothing about uh, who has given evidence of knowing nothing about the Bible he may be a very good church member but they don't discuss religion he was simply facing a, a reality that Mr. Carter and this administration are faced with problems they are trying very diligently to solve but they don't have the solution it isn't working out anyway toward peace in the way that they have striven for, either with the Middle East, with Russia, or whatever. And in addition to that, the political discord in this country that is being created by these problems is affecting the internal government and politics uh, and economy of this country. And that man's statement could be enlarged upon by saying something like this. The world itself has never been faced with the critical and universal troubles and distress as it is today, and which are due to arise further in their complications and in their distress out of the present order of things. That's, if this country is that involved, the rest of the world is many of them worse. Riding, for example, not only is in Iran, but India, one of the most populous countries in the world is being subjected to riots by thousands of people for political purposes, political reasons. And so we have a picture which at the end of the year 1978, from the natural world's position, 
is like that man who summarized President Carter's dilemmas. This country has never faced, and this administra the administration has never faced, the colossal and insoluble critical problems. Now, from a natural standpoint, that's very bleak, particularly at this season of the year. But is it as it should be, prophetically speaking, from this book? Is it? Yes. We have a hymn. You know, there's a lot of music in the air now. But our hymns are very beautiful, and they're appropriate to any time. Not only to this season. But we have one that says, Ye saints in Christ, his brethren, let faith cast out your fears. The dark night is departing, the morning light is near. I thought I could go ahead with it. The bridegroom is arising. And soon he draweth nigh, up, pray, and watch, and wrestle, at midnight comes the Christ. Now that's what these things are all moving toward. They're undeniable. Anyone else care to make any remarks to follow up that we've been talking about? I heard him sometime this week. I didn't. I don't know where I heard him last night or not. Mm -hmm. He's heading up the suit, the fort suit. To say, I did hear him hint at that. I didn't hear this book you speaking. But Israel are very much afraid. The government of Israel is very much afraid that what uh, Mr. Goldwater said will turn out to be the truth regarding this attitude of this country in their relations with uh, Israel, whom, uh, who depends on this country so much for help. So Mr. Goldwater and his supporters are apparently uh, will stop at nothing uh, to secure what they feel, because they aren't so interested in Israel, they're interested in this country, but they bring Israel into it, and uh, they may be right. <coughs> We've got a speaker in our next uh, hour for worship. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to try to not steal any of his thunder, I've heard that expression, but were in Israel, thinking of Israel, today, which is the eve of the world's celebration of the birth of the Prince of Peace, if you were in Israel today in the town of Bethlehem, 
as a tourist, as thousands of them are today and tomorrow, and you would be herded into, guided into a big public square, which uh, one side of it, I'm told, has the building that houses the reputed birthplace of Christ. And the square is lit up with all the garish Christmas tinsel and so forth. And out from the loudspeakers come the carols that uh, proclaim in a sentimental way something about Christ's birth. There's nothing in the Bible about celebrating Christ's birth by his followers. There's nothing there, whatever, that we probably will be reminded of. But if you were there as a tourist, and you were to look up on the roofs of the buildings surrounding that square, you would see armed soldiers with machine guns at the ready. Why are those men there? They're Israeli soldiers. Why are they there? Because there is the extreme possibility that there will be these Arabs, Palestinian Liberation Organization Arabs, who have got their pockets stuffed with hand grenades and bombs and other weapons of destruction. And they are uh, prepared under any circumstances, some of them to give their lives in order to throw those bombs into a crowd and kill as many people as possible. If you observe probably too, there would also be a patrol with their weapons constantly alert down on the ground to try to keep that from happening. Well, that is what's going on right as the, of the moment in the city that did see Christ's birth some 1900 more years ago. Doesn't sound very peaceful, does it? I wonder sometimes, and people are wondering that are, that are not of our persuasion why this thing exists. Many people wonder that. Well, this book helps. If you will turn, there are so many places I hardly know how to, but turn to Daniel. The twelfth chapter. First verse. And at that time shall Michael stand up. The, the word Michael means he who like God. The great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. Who were the Lord's people in Daniel's day when this was written? The Jews. They were the Lord's people. And look at the next line. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to the same time. 
the gentleman who was on the TV program I referred to a while ago, and, and those who were with him all agreed that these insoluble problems were producing, and they didn't use this bridge, but they were in effect saying that we've got things facing us that we never had to face before and we don't know how to deal with. That's in effect saying we've got troubles we don't know how to handle. And here the scripture says there shall be a time of trouble since there never was. And I'm going to use a very colloquial expression of slang that is very expressive. We ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to it. Because the things that are set in motion, not being solved by governments, can only end in greater difficulties and distress. And with man in the possession of instruments of destruction, whereby he can wipe out his own kind and himself, with that in his power to do, can we look for man to solve any of this? No. No wonder these men say it's insoluble. It's going to take the return Christ to do that. And that's what he's coming back for. To remedy a world in distress that can't solve its own problem. But let's finish this verse and see what happens in connection with this time of trouble. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Let's go on. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. What is that? That's resurrection, isn't it? Who's the, who, who has power over life to raise people from the dead? Christ alone. He says, I am the resurrection. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Didn't say all. Some will awake, being worthy of what? Everlasting life. And some to shame. Everlasting content. That's a sad thing. And they that be wise. When's that wisdom best exercised? Now, if we aren't wise and alert and understand these things now, it'll be too late in this heaven. But those that are wise today and conform their beliefs and life actions to this book, what will they do? Shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars and the other men. That is the hope for those who have the wisdom that this book generates, that it contains, that it is reflected in the kind of lives they live and the word that they preach. We have a scripture. 
You know, these five men that are sitting around this table talking, they're considered as the wiser. They, they're among the best informed men in this world. They have all the, the facilities of their big newspapers like the New York Times to gather news and to analyze it from a natural standpoint. So they're, they're among the wise of this world. And they're very interesting men. They know what they're talking about from a natural standpoint. But here we come here. Are we considered the wise of this world? Would our wisdom compare in any way with the wisdom of these men who have said that we're faced with insoluble problems? We'd agree with them on that, wouldn't we? But they're looking at it purely from what they see going on, and they know what going, is going on, and how it's impossible for President Carter, in spite of his well-meant efforts, to do anything about it to really solve it. They're looking at it that way. And they have to paint a, a, a very realistic picture of it. They can't, they can't, one of them spoke about the season of the year and how sad it was uh, in Mr. Carter's uh, problem to, to face uh, this season with such a bleak outlook. Well, is that our point of view? Is that what we learned from this book? Not at all. Jesus says to his followers, when you see these things come to pass, look up, lift up your heads. For what? Why, Raymond? Your redemption draws nigh. And so we, 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 to come back to the personal thing I spoke of in the beginning. When I sit down to think about what, what kind of lesson am I going to prepare for? Shall we go to Galatians? Or shall we think about the realities of what's going on around us and what it means to us? Well, I, I, I would consider that I would be very negligent of duty. Just as you would be if you, understanding these things, have an opportunity to tell your friends and kinfolk and co-workers perhaps, the meaning of what's happening in the world in which we find ourselves. It's the most important thing. And let me tell you this. This is not said in the way of scaring people. That isn't the point at all. When Jesus uttered his words on Mount uh, Olivet that we quoted, he didn't mean to scare his followers. He, he, his words were words of warning, but they were realistic words. And he said, you're going to see things come to pass. The sea and the waves will roar as in a storm, casting up mire and dirt. He didn't say that to scare people. He said it so they would know the meaning of what these events portend portended when they saw them come to pass. And so that's why we feel that, to use another phrase we've used, it's like a snowball at the top of a hill. And that snowball is on its way down 
And in certain areas, uh, mountainous areas, a little snowball can become an avalanche. And that avalanche can cover up whole towns and bury people. Often happens in Switzerland and other mountainous regions. Well, that's like the kind of world we're living in. The snowball has started. And we watch it. And we're going to see some earth-shaking events in the not-too-distant future that are going to make these days in which we are now living, in which we see such uh, disharmony and disunity and arming of men. We're going to think back, those were the peaceful days. Those were days of peace in comparison to what the future holds. That's said to make you think, not to scare you. But this book indicates from the scripture I've just read that there is developing and will continue to develop troublous times of such a nature that the world has never seen. But they signal the greatest miracle outside of that which we come here to celebrate each first day of the week. We don't do it once a year. We come to remember Christ's sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection each first day of the week because that's our duty and we do it in love. But there's coming a day when his resurrection is going to be fulfilled in the sense spoken of here, that those who are in him, as a result of these troublous times which the first verse speaks of, are going to be subject to a resurrection, just as he was. He is spoken of as the first fruits of them that sleep. And when he puts his feet on this earth, his first act is toward his own people. First, the resurrection spoken of here of his saints the midnight cry ringing out to those who are alive and remain till the coming of the Lord together with those resurrected ones they are called to his presence the Lord doesn't know anything about that that hasn't been their expectation okay. because he's coming to establish on this earth a world order which is the exact opposite of what we see today. Men are fat, and this, this, this nation is the most responsible, together with Russia, for the rearming of the world. This country is the arms merchant of the world. And now, they don't know what to do about it. They discovered the secrets of the atomic power. And now that's, that secret has spread. How many nations have it? I don't know. 12, 14. Perhaps including Israel. Think about 
we don't know whether they have it or not. They have atomic reactors. And some people feel they have atomic weapons. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> they are one of the nations, however, that are supposed to have it. But we, well, we don't, we don't go too much into that because we don't know. But the point we're, we're making is this, that the hope and expectation of those who follow this book, who believe Christ's words, whose hope is in the resurrection from the dead, and well, acting the part of wisdom in this life, to follow Christ's, or to, to uh, realize the meaning of Christ's words. My peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Those were spoken to those who heard. They were also spoken to each generation following down to our own day who would believe and obey and put their hope in that which he held out a resurrection from the dead the bestowal of life eternal on those who today have the peace of mind that passeth all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds as the apostles said through Jesus Christ because we can cast out our, our natural fears because of the hope that we have even if you and I were wiped out by an atomic bomb would that do anything to our future? Not one whit because we would be among those that sleep in the dust of the earth that Daniel speaks of. We shall stand forth and if we've been wise in this life and followed the teachings of this book and obeyed, we would shine as the, uh, the brightness of the flame. That is why we think of these things. That's why we watch them, because they signal something. Just as we watch the hands of that clock, it signals the end of something in our worship, in our uh, order of uh, meeting. It signals that at a certain time that this is over with, this session, and a new set, a new uh, form of service begins. Well, just so it is with the things that we see happening. The, the uh, prophetical clock, the hands are coming together to midnight. And they're very close to overlapping each other. And what does that signal? We, we spoke a while ago of the hymn that we had. What is it, Willie? And soon he draweth nigh. Up, pray, and watch, and wrestle. At midnight comes the cry. See the child. Replenish them with oil and work for your salvation. The end of all your toil. The watchers in the mountains. Proclaim the bridegroom near. Go meet him. As he comes. With joy. With joy. 
course, this book is, is in great measure a recording of the history of human events that man has done. Not what God has done, but what he's permitted man to do. And even the people of the world say man's inhumanity to man makes countless thousands more. That's the word of the Scottish poet. And it again expresses the truth. Man has been his own worst enemy and will continue to be until Christ takes full and absolute control. And that day is not far distant. But the world is going to have to go through great tribulation in order to root out the evils that are so deeply entrenched over that 6,000 years, the rebels, we might say, and to establish the city beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, Jerusalem, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. That will be the city of peace. Christ will be there. Let us hope. I'd like to thank everyone, including myself, within the hearing of my voice. We'll be there as a joint heir with Christ, inheriting, sharing with him in what he will possess as Earth's future ruler, redeemer, and prince of peace. There won't be any more Christmas season. Isn't there in the first place? It will be each day a day of rejoicing unto the Lord. Each day of real rejoicing unto the Lord and of thanksgiving to Him and the glorifying of His name. That's what lies ahead for this world in distress. We wonder if we really realize it, as we should, because that's the kind of world we're faced with.